Hello, and welcome to another episode of Not the Oscars. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Anthony, in case you did not recognize my voice. Um, and I wanted to give a quick preface to the episode that you're about to hear. Unfortunately, um, after we recorded the episode, put all of our audio files together, and we're trying to edit this, uh, we realized that um, my file was actually corrupted. Right. So all that means is that at the top of this episode, you're probably going to hear a lot more of Josh and I talking and not as much of Anthony. But don't worry, once we get into the arguments, he'll be right there with us. And trust me when I say he has some really great opinions on this movie and about Josh's argument this week. The the future episodes are all great. We've had no issues like this before. But, you know, that's what kind of comes with the territory of trying to create something brand new from the ground up, especially um, in these unprecedented times. So... But hey, we still got through it. Uh, the points still count. Uh, Josh gave us a really, really, really great uh, performance to analyze. And uh, yeah, we're going to get straight into it. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Not to Oscars. My name is Erica. You just heard from one of your hosts, Anthony. You are going to hear from Josh in just a moment. On this podcast, we basically take a look at underrated performances in modern cinema, and we give them fake awards. Um, so this week, we will be looking at a movie from the year 1999. And Josh, can you please tell us what you have for us? All right. For your consideration, I would like to present to you Enrico Colantoni in the role of Malthazar in the movie Galaxy Quest. Incredible. <sighs> yes. So excited to talk about this. Uh, so just to give you a little, little bit of background, a little bit of info about this movie, uh, came out December 25th, 1999. It was directed by Dean Parasot. Uh, box office, it raked in $90.7 million on a $45 million budget, uh, and the screenplay is, play is written by David Hauer and Robert Gordon. Uh, the movie is about, uh, I mean, in its in true, truest form, it's a parody of uh, Star Trek, and actually some of the members of the original Star Trek cast call it the best Star Trek movie that actually exists, because... It's, I'm just, I'm not surprised by that because it's a fantastic movie and it's a, and it actually like really depicts its fans as like the most important part. Uh, but it's a movie that follows, uh, Tim, uh, Alan, uh, Sigourney Weaver, all the, you know, Alan Rickman, all these guys as essentially actors in a fictional series. That's a lot like Star Trek and they're going to conventions and they, you know, they're, they're not really enjoying it too much, but then a bunch of aliens come out of nowhere, needing them to come save them from an alien race. Uh, the Thermians need help to defeat this other guy. And so they bring these actors to come and try to defeat uh, some bad guy uh, actually out in space and uh, comedy ensues. A uh, little fun fact about this movie. It was originally supposed to be directed by uh, Harold Ramis, uh, but he dropped out. And Dean Parasot was supposed to come in at the last... Uh, Harold Ramis did um, Groundhog Day and all that stuff. You know, do you like, mean Harold Ra Do you mean Harold Ra Ramis? <laughs> no, I mean his brother, Harold Ra Ramis. What did I say? <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. From... 
<laughs> it's okay. Anthony thought there was an R on the end of the word lozenge earlier. Yeah, today, it's so. Rarrarries. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's the movie. This movie, I ha- I specifically remember it as um, my bro- my brother's birthday is in early January, so he must have gone. If this came out in '99, um, he must have gone for his tenth um, birthday uh, in January 2000. He got to take a couple of friends to go see this movie at the mall, um, and that- that's how that was like my first introduction to this this movie. Is I, I remember it as Cameron's birthday movie. Um, yeah but I've seen it since then and yeah it's fun too to also see like Tim Allen's so fun to see him kind of like play himself a little bit but to also see Sigourney Weaver in this part after she you know um, obviously she's she's famous for the Alien franchise um, and Ghostbusters so it's, it's really fun to see her in this part which is a little bit mocking the role of women frequently in these types of shows yeah, and I actually read that uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver, like, she fought really hard to, for this role. Like, they had to convince the uh, the production company because they were like, well, we don't want, you know, somebody that's already coming from another sci-fi series. Like, the fans are going to get confused or some shit. Mm. They're like, ah, oh, you're coming from Alien. Blah. She really uh, yeah, it's, she has that really good line where he's like asking, where she's like has to repeat everything he says to the computer because the computer only recognizes her voice, and he's like, "It would just be easier." And she's like, "This is my only job on the show. Let I me love have this. this. <laughs> it's such a good bit. Let um, me have this. Such a good bit. Oh my god, there's so many good bits in here. The fucking guy. What's the guy that plays Monk in this? Oh, Tony Shalhoub. And, like, when he gets off the transporter, like, the first time and everybody's freaking out, he's just like, oh, that was a thing. <laughs> or, like, later when he's like, oh, man, that door, like, that door's squeaky. I gotta get my guys on that. And he's just like, yep, like, these are my dudes now. Like, even though this is, I'm not a doctor, I just play one on TV. <laughs> so good. I don't know. I, I chose, I chose, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Malthazar has been around me a long time. I come from a family of Trekkers. I was raised on Star Trek TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. I'm actually in the uh, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. uh, What is it? The Nitpickers Guild to Star Trek The Next Generation, which is a book that was published of all the nitpicks of Star Trek The Next Generation. And if you don't know what that is, that is something like an error, a continuity error or some kind of error, meaning like there's a Coke can in the shot or something. And at the age of 11, I noticed that the nacelles on the USS Enterprise was were backwards in a shot in a particular episode. And I was the first one to, know, to see it, so I submitted it and I got in the book. So needless to say, I'm, I'm so a big really, deal. You really identify with the Justin Long character in this movie then. <laughs> Well, first off, it's not until seeing this now that I'm even recognizing that it was Justin Long in that character. Oh, same. In that role. Uh, But yes, this is this this movie has uh, both for what it means to Star Trek in itself and what it means to me is uh, quite close. Malthazar. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about Enrico Colantoni because I I have a huge soft spot for him and and this was a really fun watch. So just to just to insert this, uh, the role of Malthazar, which is played by Enrico Colantoni, uh, he plays. 
So he plays the ambassador of the, uh, what is it? I'm forgetting the name of the race of the aliens now. The Thermians, uh, where they're the aliens that are coming to ask Tim Allen and crew for help to come kill somebody. But he's kind of like the leader of the pack. He's kind of always with this entourage of five or six other aliens. And they're all very like Spock robotic type. And the way that he delivers his lines is just fucking phenomenal. Uh, but he's he's kind of there the whole time just trying to like, Make sure that his people are good. Not a huge, the biggest role, but it's definitely meaty enough where if you put the right person in the role, you can tear it up. All right, Josh, your first category here is age like a fine wine, how this performance has held up over time. Are you ready to defend? <laughs> you working out over there? You, you, you're breathing a lot. I'm I got I'm shadow boxing. I'm ready. Okay, okay. Well, whenever you're ready, let's let's get started. All right, your 90 seconds begins whenever you're ready. Not even going to need it. All right. Age like a fine wine. So first up, the script for Galaxy Quest, uh, Galaxy Quest and Malthazar. Uh, I think it's in impenetrably impenetrable to aging poorly because it is a perfect parody of what Star Trek was. It was sexist, it was, you know, staunch, and very, you know, uh, totally relied on just cliches, and this completely captures that in a way where you just look at this and you know exactly what it's making fun of, and you have so much fun doing it. And Malthazar, in predictable, he has the most quotable lines in this movie, and I would be willing to bet that those lines that he's he are saying are just as funny as they are now as when they were delivered on December 25th, 1999, when this movie first came out, because they are, the delivery is, it's memorable because of his delivery and not because of the script. Well, that's it. I'm done. I just, I think it's absolutely aged well. Yeah, I think that this, this movie's held up pretty well. I think the only thing... You know, just technology is the only thing I feel like that's really age past past this. Um, I will say it's, and I know we're judging him, so I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this. But you know, this the script is a little like flat in a lot of ways in terms of you don't have an emotional connection with a lot of the characters the same way you do in maybe say like an Avengers, but also this is a one offer. Um, so but just in terms of his performance, I think this is a really fun um adaptation and I, I totally agree with you josh because this is a parody um it holds up and his character holds up um so yeah i'll, I'll hold my score till anthony goes but but I, I feel positively about this good thank you um you know i agree with a lot of what josh said uh both for you know like the script kind of overall but uh also um for enrico uh Cal and Tony's performance, kind of, uh, you know, like looking at it specifically because we're doing the show. Um, the script feels like everything that uh, exists in Star Trek, you know, universe and like, you know, Star Trek fandom. And it's crazy just how well they got it and just how well that really stands up and how much that feels like, you know, authentic to what we're seeing now. Um, but Enrico's performance specifically is just crazy because it's like he makes the oddest choices and it's just really, really fun to watch. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know of another uh, uh, movie that really comes to mind that that really encapsulates what sci-fi nerddom looks and feels like. Uh, I can't, 
You know, it's like, it's funny too because like they say like, you know, this movie is supposed to be like Spaceballs and like that was like originally what it was kind of pitched as and it's not that at all. It's not a farce. It's almost like, you know, showing you this, this fiction, you know, like world of like, you know, like what Star Trek fandom and what like, you know, like Star Wars and all that kind of looks like. And it's very, very different than, and than Star, than Star Trek, than Spaceballs and, you know, in that respect. But yeah, his performance, it holds up really, really well. Obviously, like, you know, like, it feels super 90s, which, you know, we're, we're experiencing is like, you know, we watch all these movies and, you know, there are certain parts of it that obviously, like, you know, like, don't age as well just because of, like, you know, like the time difference in between with this being a movie that came out in, God, 1999, 21 years ago. But as far as, like, you know, the performance, it does very, very much hold up, Um so I do agree with with Josh in that respect. Um, it feels solid. It feels if this were to come out, you know, like next week, it would still feel exactly the same. Um, so yeah, I gave this one an eight. I felt like it was very very solid all around. Um, yeah, I also give that an eight. I I uh, I'm expecting nothing but tens, but yeah, sure. All right, your next category, Singular Sensation, 90 seconds. All right, I'm not going to argue that other people could have done this role because I think a lot of great actors could have done this role. But I will say this, Enrico Colantoni was the foundation of the entire Thermian race for this movie. So the director came to him after he came to the director and showed him what he planned to do vocally, physically for the role, and he built a school for all the other actors so they can develop their character around what Enrico Colantoni did for this role. He built, for you know, however much percent of the movie this is, like the entire race of the Thermians, about what he brought to the table. And also, on top of that, he has spoken in interviews as Vincent D'Onofrio being an inspiration from Men in Black. His, he says directly, like, I, I was inspired by what he did, but I didn't steal anything. Uh, so it'll be a little weird if he gets this, uh, gets this award. But uh, I think it, it is in a, a direct equ- uh, equal to, uh, to what he did. Wow. <laughs> I... Uh did not know about the Vincent D'Onofrio connection on this one. That's super interesting. But yeah, I uh, I was really intrigued by the fact that, you know, he brought the, I guess, really like the, the rest of the characters. He created the blueprint for, you know, like their, their speech patterns, like, you know, the way they moved, all of that. Um, obviously, he does it way better than everybody else because, like, you know, it's his thing. Um, but that was, that was super, super, super dope to watch, and I really enjoyed it. Um... I could say more, but honestly, I'm going to keep this one short. I gave this one a 10. I thought that it was a super solid effort kind of across the board. Um, And yeah, when you kind of create something that then influences the rest of the film, it's kind of hard not to say that, you know, uh, uh, you're like the singular sensation, that you are like, you know, like the individual that was made for this thing because, yeah, everybody else was then like, you know, turned on by it enough to say like, oh, like do this this way, change this, like, so yeah, to me like that's that kind of encapsulates the, the 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 category, the theme. So yeah, I get that one at ten. Yeah, I I well one um, if I had known nothing about this part, I think Josh's argument just would have sold me all the way anyway. Um, but I 
I genuinely feel like this, you know, you're ta- Josh, you're talking about the the Steven Spielberg um, element in AI. I, I feel like this actually has kind of set the tone for how we see aliens going forward in movies like yeah. in sci-fi movies like this. Could be um, anything. Yeah, like, so I... I was really, really won over by this. I feel like this is a front runner for lots of things, including, as, you know, we've already mentioned we're huge Marvel fans, just as to what, what an alien can truly look and, and feel like. Um, I, I gave this a 10. I, I feel like there's no arguing about, against that. Um, are you ready for your third category? Transformation Exploration? I'm fucking ready. 90 seconds whenever you're ready. Classically trained actor. I believe he went to Juilliard. So he is already trained vocally, physically, all those things. If you look at where his career started, it was in television. Uh, Just Shoot Me, which was with uh, David Spade, I believe. Very kind of by the books, you know, office office comedy. Still a good role. But he showed up to this movie where the director said... Look, because he was it was supposed to be uh, what's his name as the director like Harold Ramis or Ramis I don't fucking know uh, and he said look I'm in this movie it's new I'm flying by the seat of my pants I just want you to bring to the table what you have so he went you know what we used to do this training exercise in Juilliard where you would take your uh, voice and put it all the way down in your like diaphragm your head all these places he did that he used everything he possibly knew I believe the quote is that from uh, from him is that when he, he was learning about the role, he said, oh, yeah, an alien? Uh, in terms of creating it, I would never, you know, people say I would never behave that way. So I said, fuck it. I'm going to play around with it and do whatever I want. I'm going to make him more like a Jehovah's Witness coming to your door on a Sunday afternoon, just like a perpetual youth. He completely made the identity of this, this, uh, this role his, and it was 100% transformation, vocally, physically, mentally. It was the best part. Mm, we need your help. <laughs> okay, so transformation, exploration. If you've seen him in other things, and I was a big Just Shoot Me fan, at, like when it was on... I was actually doing a little research on it earlier. It was at some point in time on in the time slot between um, Seinfeld and, and Friends or Frasier and, and Friends, something like that. It took over Sein. It was up to take over Seinfeld's slot at some point in time when Seinfeld um, ended, but Frasier got it. So then it got Frasier's spot. So that was a show I really enjoyed watching um, in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as I mentioned, I got deep into Veronica Mars last summer Um so I think just as a departure from things he's done in the past, this is just wildly different. Um, it's got a little bit of a, I feel like he must have dug deep into some old episodes of Mark and Mindy or Happy Days because it's got a little bit of that Mork Robin Williams equality to it where you are, yeah. it's like an embodiment of a human doing this kind of funny voice, but um, also like the the way that they process things is just different. Um I thought it was a really fun adaptation of that type of an alien. Uh, we touched on this a little bit with the last category. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as, um, you know, the transformation exploration, again, it's like the performance is there because he kind of created something that nobody was thinking about that, 
you know, none of the other, uh, the director hadn't thought of, the, the other actors obviously hadn't even been cast, so they didn't bring that to the table. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's all there, you know, it's, it's, it's a vocal and physical commitment that's unlike anything else that he's done before, anything else like you'd really seen at the time. It's super strange and also really funny that like we keep seeing these alien characters and like that's the only time that we get to see people like, you know, really go outside of their wheelhouse and get to try something that's like, you know, very different and for lack of better words, alien. Yeah, uh, I went and gave this one a nine. Um, so yeah, another high score for this one. But uh, yeah, it felt very, very solid. Interesting. So I gave this one an eight. And the only reason why is I f- did not feel like it always matched scene to scene. Um, I-, I felt like they may have shot those early scenes later because I felt like he was way more in it in some of those really early shots than in some of the stuff that happens around the middle of the movie. Before before we move on, I just got to say, just in terms of transformation explanation, best, my favorite line of the whole movie is when Sigourney Weaver, they get to the ship uh, for the first time and Sigourney Weaver goes, you know who we are? And they're all supposed to like laugh, like have a chuckle. And the way that he laughs is he goes, he literally says, no that's his laugh because no all right we can move on i just that was my favorite part i love it i i love i love that you know all these lines josh it makes me so happy oh my god josh uh your fourth category chicken salad or chicken shit you ready i'm fucking ready 90 seconds I'm not going to argue that the script is uh, not bad because it's actually quite good. What I will argue is that this is a role that could have very easily been one-dimensional. For example, the main bad guy of the movie, the alien dude that was playing opposite him that was trying to kill everybody, totally one-dimensional. Like, kind of a toss-off role. Malthasar's character could have easily been that. But all I'm going to say is that at the end of the movie when Malthasar is on that table, he's just been tortured. He's covered in blood, with a blue blood or whatever. And Tim Allen is right there. And the guy forces him. He says, tell him, tell him what you really are. In that moment, I actually felt for Malthazar. I was like, this guy is fucking crushed. And I'm watching a fucking Star Trek parody. I bought into it. If that isn't turning chicken salad into chicken shit, I don't know what is. Yeah, you know, you actually mentioned it too uh, when it came to like chicken salad out of chicken shit. That this script isn't bad. Um, it actually holds up really well. It's still super entertaining. It still speaks very well for uh, Star Trek, for Star Trek fans, for, you know, like the, the world kind of surrounding that as far as like, you know, the TV shows, the movies, the conventions, all of that. Um, so yeah, it's not a bad script. Uh, it feels like if anything, like, you know, like we just kind of like, you know, his character and like his performance just elevates the entire performance and it brings everything up. It's like this really like fun magnetic thing. Um, so yeah, uh, as far as like you know, chicken salad or chicken shit, it doesn't feel like you know he took something bad and made it good. It looks like he's saying he took something good and he made it better. Um, so yeah, uh, Erica, what did you think on this one? Yeah, I also I think that this is actually a very clever script. Um, I love love how they gave each of them a a tagline or a catchphrase um particularly because this is post to infinity and beyond too so also you've got some sort of a subset of an audience Mm -hmm. that recognizes tim's tim allen as buzz lightyear um so 
I think that's super clever. I love how they all wind up delivering them. I love that you gave that tidbit about Alan Rickman because that's kind of like his character really hates hates his catchphrase and hates kind of like a lot of things about this role. He wasn't acting. 10 years ago? Yeah, it's really it's really fun also to think about the fact that he then goes on to play Snape. <laughs> play Snape! Yeah. <laughs> um, which is like one of the most famous fantasy characters of our generation, for sure. Um, but I think I, in terms of the script, I, I feel like he's got some of the these aliens have some of the tougher lines to deliver just because yeah. they're they're written in this kind of staccato fashion and they're even though they're written you know they there's this conceit early on that the humans can hear them and see them the way that they do because they've turned on some sort of a you know transmitter so that's how the the humans see them um and so i also think that that's a fun, clever thing to be able to give him these very human sounding lines, but also give him the challenge of, of delivering them in a really awkward manner. Um, yeah. Um, I gave this a nine. I, yeah, I, I thought that this was, this was a, a really fun, fun delivery, um, from which I'm sure was a really fun set of, of lines to deliver. Um, I'm giving this one a nine. I I felt like, you know, again, super solid. It felt really good across the board. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a damn good performance. Uh, and, yeah, everything about it just kind of clicks and it really works. So, yeah, that's, a, that's another nine for me. Are you ready for your last category? Yep. All right, body approved. 90 seconds whenever you're ready. Body approved. Say it again. Uh, classically trained. Uh, it actually might be Yale. I don't really remember which school it is. Didn't, don't really remember that part. Uh, but if you look at where his career went after this, you know, Veronica Mars, he went on to do a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily rooted in this role because he didn't do a lot of sci-fi, but people trusted him as an actor. They trusted when he brought this work to the table that he was, you know, worth his salt. And in fact, when he went on to do AI with, uh, Spielberg, who he was totally starstruck by and like, oh, I don't fucking deserve to like be on this and do this. He actually said, I believe he said in an interview that, uh, uh, you know, we were doing, he likes to do things in one, a single take like Kubrick. And, uh, he was halfway through a take and, uh, he was like, you know, Spielberg was over there, like talking something. And Spielberg was actually in the corner with somebody doing an impersonation of Malthazar, like to another per person. And he was like, man, that's how I know that. Like, I really did something that like meant something that, uh, Steven Spielberg was doing an impression of one of my roles, uh, that helped get me a job on this. So. Uh, I think that's some damn good proof, both from what he's done and then people kind of acknowledging the work that he that he did after that. So I think that's proof. We have Thermians. We need your help. Really, really great job here, Josh, uh, doing, you know, your thing, doing the the the, the categories. Um, yeah, that was a, it was a really solid performance. It's one that I'd never uh, I'd actually never watched this before. Um, I had a lot of friends in college that were really, really into it. And we tried watching it one time, and I just never finished it. But uh, nah, it was it was really fun watching it. Um, and it surprisingly holds up twenty, almost twenty one years later, uh, which cannot be said for a lot of these movies that come out in the nineties. But uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun to watch. Um, the this was really the only category that kind of tripped me up as far as like body approved because it's like unexpected to end into their career. 
Um, you know, like the one thing that kind of like, you know, jumps out feels very different. And it does feel different. I think my only, my only hang up is that, you know, when you're dealing with uh, character actors, right? It's like, this is kind of like their bread and butter. It's like, how can you have the opportunity to like, you know, turn something out of nothing, which is something that Vincent D'Onofrio also did as well. You know, it's like with, with Edgar, he really had this opportunity to like turn something out that he'd never really done before, try something completely different because he wasn't basing it off of anybody else. Um, but it's hard, like, you know, looking at that as like opposed to everything else because it's like everything else kind of fits that, that, I guess, kind of blueprint of like, yeah, like I approach everything where it's like, I'm going to make crazy choices. And I'm going to do things that are different and things that are interesting and get you to like, you know, think of things in a way like you typically don't. Um, it's, it's very different than the other movies that he's done. Um, you know, it's just, I, I'm hung up because I'm just like, is it, is it super unexpected that he was able to turn out the role and like, you know, an unexpected thing like pop up as opposed to everything that he's done? Um, I don't know. I was tripped out by that one. Uh, Erica, what did you think? Um, I think it's a total departure that from anything else he's done. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I, I feel it kind of stands out as something that's a little different. Um, like you mentioned, he's, um, been in everything, um, including, AI, which was the movie he did after this. Um, he's in Full Frontal. Um, he's he's in the 2011 Contagion. Um, uh, he's in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. He actually has a really lovely part in that. Um, if you guys haven't seen that. Oh, the, I haven't, but I did see he was in Mr. that. Mr. Yeah. Rogers movie. Uh, strongly recommend watching the documentary first so you can pick up on a couple of like Easter eggs in it. But um, yeah, it's he plays a cameraman in it um and yeah he's just been on literally every show that's ever been in syndication he is on law and order nypd blue um third rock he played a voice on kim possible um <laughs> he was on monk which was tony shalhoub's uh show csi so yeah he's been he's been in a lot of things um so yeah i i think it's a a totally unlike while he does play uh, he has played so many different characters over time I think this is a total departure from anything that he has has done and I also think it's so cool that he fought so hard for this part I think that that's really really interesting and kind of insightful into the types of roles that he maybe wants to do um I gave this one high scores across the board and I still don't think this is a bad score but I gave this one a seven only because of the fact that, like, he is such a good actor. He is classically trained. He does bring all of that to the role. But um, because of that, I'm just like, I don't, I just, I just don't know that it's that unexpected of an, an addendum to his career. It feels really, really strong, and it feels like a really, like, you know, awesome thing that he has up there. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with seven on that one. Erica, I am giving this an eight because. Um, I think this is a totally, it's actually sort of an, a, a little bit of what you're saying, Anthony, is that, yeah, he's really well trained, but also, like, I feel like most people who are probably going to be talking about on here are really well trained actors. Um, like, think about some of, like, a lot, I feel like a lot of Anthony, our, some of our favorite actors that we talk about a lot, if we want to stick in this, this trend that we've been talking about, these Marvel movies, um, you know, your Lupitas of the world, they went to Yale, right? Um, and... 
so I'm giving an eight um, because I do think it's totally a lovely piece of his career, but I wouldn't necessarily say that this is like the thing that you think about when you think about him as an actor. Um, I feel like, you know, just shoot me is the role that um, I think about him as first. Um, And that's also a great performance because being a sitcom actor is hard. Um, But I don't think that because he's well-trained, it should preclude him from, from us enjoying him in this because we all uh, collectively, um, we can all agree we went to uh, theater school, right? Yeah. Right? We all went to theater school. We all we all learned things about acting. We learned techniques, certain styles, all of those things, right? Yes, Josh. How many roles, like, let's say you went on and, you know, kind of in the roles that you did, whether they were professional, amateur, whatever they were, that you felt that you were able to shine. And I'm not talking about like 95%. I'm not talking about 96, 97, 98, 99. I'm talking about 100% of the way through that role. Not And you were 100% like it all connected what you've learned what you want to do and the confidence of doing what you did. How many times do you think that happened? Yeah, I have a lot of training and um, I definitely couldn't say 100% of the time. I don't think training really yields the right performances. I think it's passion. I think it's what you knowing what you're about to do is the thing that you care most about. And that's why you come in and turn in the performance that you do. Like, Training's going to get you there, like, you know, know how to, like, access the right tools and the right things that already exist within you. But come on, if you're going to blame, if you're going to blame this guy for, you know, not getting the score that he deserves because he's really well trained, like, then, I don't know. I, I, well, I, I think also, too, I happen to think, I have a degree in theater, and I happen to think most of it is, is... Bullshit. Um, yeah. So I'm not saying that my training, uh, may, like I'm saying I just I have I happen to have a ton of it, and I don't think it has prepared me for 100 of anything. Just wanted no. to record as saying that. <laughs> I f- and I feel that same thing as you, Erica. Like I I feel it it like uh, most of the times when I got on stage, like when I was you know still doing it. I wasn't thinking about like the training that I had. I felt like, what, you know, what do I want to do? Like, how do I access my confidence and all those things? And he fucking did that in that role. He took something that he fucking cared about and he was 100% about and he did that. And you know what? I think he did it more than some of the other actors on that, on that stage and they had better roles. So is it about the training? Like, yeah, it helps you access yourself, but I think he deserves better than that. Okay. Oh I, I, I got you. Oh, I got you, Josh. You got me. You thank you. Thanks for over there. Whoo! I've been fighting for my life over here. You're welcome, Enrico. Okay. Wow. This this is a nail biter over here. So I want you to know that my total score uh, was a 43, which is also what I awarded Anthony last week when we talked about Sonalathan in Love and Basketball. Now, Anthony also awarded you a 43, which brings you to a total of 86 points, which is a single point higher than Anthony scored last week when we talked about Love and Basketball. Um, 
So, I'm throwing punches wildly. Um, Josh, you have an 86, which is officially our highest score we've ever, oh, we've ever handed out. <sighs> um, and so that also scores you a D'Onofrio this week. Congratulations. All right. Uh, wow. It's a lot lighter than I expected. Woo. Wow. Look, I just want to give a shout out to my dad in the 415. He's the one that got me started on Star Trek, you know, TNG, Quark, Q, all those guys. He set the inspiration. And when Tim Allen, who is an actor I don't give a shit about, and made this movie, I just got to say, Malthazar, you changed me. You brought sci-fi into the 27th century uh, and, uh, you, uh, I, and I just, I just want to take this time to really make it known that you really set the tone for all these Marvel movies, all these things. Oh, hey, I'm a, no, look, 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 I'm going to finish, but I just want to say that Malthazar turned in the best performance this year. Josh, that was a, Josh, that was a beautiful performance on your part. And I want you to know how proud I am. Thank you. you. I'm. I, I really appreciate that. I, I worked hard for that one, which is something I did not do last time. So I'm working hard. Okay. So as we mentioned at the top of the pod, we had some audio issues this week. Unfortunately, we are missing the section where we roll the die, but that's okay because I can see into the future and I can tell you that next week's episode will cover the year 1997 in film. Anthony, can you take us out? Well, thank you so much for joining us this week for another episode of Not the Oscars. Um, if you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite listening platform um, or at our email, uh, which is getmesugarwater at gmail.com. Uh, submit in a performance that you think is deserving of the Vincent D'Onofrio Award, um, and we might actually take that into consideration as we're figuring out some of these future episodes. Um, again, tell a friend if you enjoyed this one. Uh, please give us great reviews, subscribe, uh, and we'll be back with another episode next week. See you then. Thank you. Take care.